Oftentimes, community-based organizations are the first point of contact for survivors. So that's where they would get connected with these programs. And even our transition houses, in, especially in rural areas, that is the only service available um, to survivors. I usually bring women together and offer them some sort of activity to do um, that's empowering and then eventually that leads into a greater conversation around gender-based violence. So traditionally, Indigenous people took care of their own when it came to dealing with behavior that was seen as not appropriate in the community. So we do kind of like a holistic approach. We also do sentencing circles, uh, customary law. In this podcast, the concept of culturally specific programming has come up time and time again. That's because culturally specific programming is a central pillar of the Creating Communities of Care project and something advocates for women's rights have been calling for more of. But in today's episode, we dive deeper into what culturally specific programming looks and feels like, how it affects the women who receive it, and why it is so important to the larger Creating Communities of Care project. This is the Creating Communities of Care podcast. I'm Cheyenne Labrador. One thing that we heard coming out of this project and in evaluating the project was the disconnect that often exists between these formal institutions like the criminal justice system or the health system and what's actually happening on the ground. It's focused on these communities because they've historically been underserved and they're also historically more impacted by family violence. So there was a need for it here in HRM, unfortunately, and the partners in this project were best positioned to provide those services and to fill that need. This is Anne from THANS. She says that the Communities of Care team identified problems which make the systems we've inherited it unfit for and even prejudiced against marginalized people and communities. Community organizations are the ones in community doing that work and they're the ones dealing directly with survivors and are in a unique position to ask survivors what it is that they need and to see the effects, um, most notably the negative effects of these formal institutions um, and are better positioned to be able to deal with those consequences. I'm going off of what I've heard doing this work from Black Nova Scotian and Indigenous women, but I think the whole system is built on a legacy of colonialism. And because of that, historical trauma that exists continues to be perpetuated in those symptoms. And what I've heard is going into these systems, there's a mistrust because of that historical context. And quite frankly, racism within these systems, people have certain assumptions about 
a black Nova Scotian victim versus a white woman. And we also know that the rate of incarceration for indigenous and black Nova Scotian women is also higher um, due to this. They're more likely to be incarcerated when reporting domestic violence, even though they are the victim. So again, the experience is very different and it's based in racism, it's based in colonialism. So I work for the Mi'kmaq Legal Support Network. Uh, We have many different programs. Our goal and mission is to help Indigenous people throughout the court system, whether that's uh, helping the offender or victims. Uh, We navigate the court system with them. We support them, give them resources, um, accompany them to court, Uh, help them understand the justice system. As we know, the justice system can be very intimidating. This is Tanya, a victim services support worker with the Mi'kmaq Legal Support Network. Her work and much of the work being done at MLSN draws on traditional methods of justice and rehabilitation that have been used in Mi'kmaq communities for generations, making it a clear example of culturally specific programming in effect. So traditionally, the community was the ones uh, to decide, uh, involving elders especially, what those uh, conditions would be, what the punishment would be for the community. So customary law is based on the same principles. They bring in uh, people who are involved with the client. So whether that be support workers, the lawyer, Um, anyone in the community that they want their support person. We have everyone involved and we also invite the lawyer, invite uh, the crown, the judge to sit. And basically the, the circle is about the offender. It's basically talking about what led to the offending behavior, what type of, um, history, childhood, a lot of times uh, that comes out, where this all started, how we get to the root cause of the situation and and what they feel would help them not get into this trouble again, whether it's dealing with an addiction, dealing with trauma, going to therapy, um, whatever they feel would help them And the judge, the crown, take these things into consideration when delivering a sentence. The African Nova Scotian community has deep roots in this region and has its own distinct culture and history. Renee, from the Association of Black Social Workers, is conscious about incorporating elements of this culture into her work to make the women in her workshops feel more comfortable, recognized, and supported. Three of the workshops that we started with were a plant slash self-care workshop. Uh, We've also done a paint workshop and a poetry workshop. So those three workshops were based around themes of self-love, self-care, self-empowerment, women empowerment, those sorts of themes. And what we did was basically brought together groups of Black women to talk about how that specific Um, activity related to caring for ourselves 
And through those sessions, there was healing and there were stories that were shared. And then eventually, after those three workshops were completed, it led into a greater conversation about gender-based violence in our communities and how that shows up and what support is needed going forward and how we as a community can work together to support each other and to um, uplift each other, but also hold each other accountable as well, which is very important. Culturally specific, culturally appropriate services are key, um, especially for Black women kind of navigating the systems or trying to get support um, and help. And so I would say that there's not enough of them for sure. But they're very important because Black women need to see people that look like them. They need to feel as though somebody understands them in terms of like what it means to be a Black woman living in Nova Scotia. And so if um, a client goes and accesses the service and there's nobody that looks like them, then the support that they receive could look very different because their needs may not be met. Now is a good time to hit pause for a second, because these programs are not without their detractors. If you subscribe to a more old-school, law-and-order approach to justice, or if you're prejudiced against Black and Indigenous communities, these measures may seem to fall short. The most common accusation is that culturally specific programming is too soft in its approach, and that crime should be met with punishment. Tanya from MLSN explains. You know, a lot of people think that this is an easy way out, that these circles are, you know, a slap on the wrist for Indigenous people and that, you know, we get away with things and that's not really the case. A lot of times it's more work that they have to do than going to do a month or two months or three months in custody. This is months, if not years of work that they have to do um, and work on themselves to make sure that they're not going through that revolving door in the justice system because we know that incarcerating people really does nothing um, to stop the offending behavior. And if we can get to the root causes and help the offender understand possibly the connection as to why they're doing these things, um, you know, they can better take a look at what do I, what kind of work do I need to do to tackle these things and and hopefully not get myself into this situation again. You know, a lot of the things that happened, you know, residential school and day school, as we're finding out recently, the abuse that they went through in those schools and in the community and by Indian agents um, really impacted their ability to parent and to have a family. If you, your children are taken away from you, that's trauma, not on just the parents, but on the children as well. And a lot of folks found avenues to deal with that trauma, right? And not the most healthy ways. And if you're put into a school at a young age and you're not shown affection and love and you're abused, how do you become a functional parent when you leave these schools and have children of your own, right? That created a lot of trauma that's been passed down. And we have to unlearn that trauma and heal from that trauma, but that doesn't happen, you know, overnight. You know, we're doing a lot of work in the community. We're doing a lot of work, um, you know, in, in trying to heal our people. 
and we still have a long way to go. The objective of sentencing circles isn't just to punish a community member for a transgression. It's about breaking cycles and healing wounds that the community has inherited. Our system doesn't address these core issues. It responds only to the symptoms of trauma. What we're seeing is these people don't just happen to wake up one day and say, I'm going to go break the law. They have a lot of history of trauma in their childhoods. And we know that trauma is the biggest indicator of, you know, becoming an addict. And so because they have this history and they get involved in addiction, you know, people who have an addiction will pretty much do anything to feed that addiction. And and the reason why they're addicted is because they're masking the pain, right, that they're carrying within themselves. And then because of that, this cycle of, you know, addiction, and then they become parents and they were never shown affection or love from their parents, or if they were, it was mixed with, you know, cycles of abuse, which is dysfunctional. And that is like, you know, carried through to the next generation, the next, until someone decides like, I'm going to stop this cycle. And it's hard work. It's not just this person, you know, doing this offending behavior. You know, they could be stealing food. I, I had clients in the past where they were hungry. They, they were, you know, had an addiction. They went into a store because they were literally hungry, stole food, ended up in the justice system for something just minor, right? And then you go into the prison, the justice system, and that whole environment breeds more criminal behavior because there's drugs in prison, there's bigger criminals who you make connections with, and it just snowballs, right? I've also heard, you know, from these survivors from these communities that they often feel like they're being dismissed because of who they are um, and and that their allegations and when they come forward it's not taken as seriously and obviously that's rooted in racism as well and in a history of colonialism so uh, again kind of connecting that to why some people just opt not to engage with those systems at all it's not for them and that's what creating communities of care is trying to address is creating a, a space where it's specifically for indigenous and black Nova Scotian women. Before developing these workshops, it was kind of one of those moments where you had to think like, how can I engage the black community? In designing ABSW's workshops, Renee realized that she saw the best results for women who were able to build new relationships with other women this quickly became a focus in our methodology. If this is something that we don't often talk about. So trying to come up with ways of doing that, um, you know, it took some thought. But I feel like the way that we went about this in terms of creating these workshops to that offer something and then build relationships in the process, I believe that that went really well. You know, a lot of the women have expressed that after they leave these workshops, they feel, you know, more empowered. They feel like they're not alone. Um, some women have expressed that they felt a sense of isolation. And coming to these workshops, they feel like they a sense of belonging. The results, according to the feedback collected by Renee, were outstanding. 
My feelings in terms of these workshops and um, kind of what the outcome was of them was that I definitely felt a sense of hope. Um, I definitely feel like these workshops were steps in the right direction um, when talking about gender-based violence or even just violence as a whole. Um, I would say that these workshops left me feeling very empowered as well and just wanting to have more of these conversations among family and friends and hear their thoughts about it as well. I think a lot of people would be surprised to know um, that a lot of the women in this sector doing this work started out by accessing the very services that they now provide. In Anne's experience, the power of these programs is demonstrated in how negative cycles can be not only interrupted, but transformed into something much more positive. Certainly reclaiming agency, but also I think as a survivor, you can understand where the gaps are. You understand what it's like to go through that process. Um, And if you are able to come out on the other side, there's a certain part of you that wants to be able to help people do the same thing. Um, So I think that's why we see a lot of um, people working in the sector who have direct experience with intimate partner violence. It's great because not only as a survivor, but also as a service provider, you can then speak really clearly to how to address some of these issues that exist. You're seeing it from both sides. Um, And I think that's where change can really happen. And I also think it's what's great about creating communities of care because we have these community organizations who are on the ground in community. And then we also have the survivors who are able to utilize their voice and let the service providers know exactly what it is that they need Um, because it does vary from person to person and it certainly varies across cultural contexts as well. And programming continues to develop and grow, evolving to better meet the needs of the Black and Indigenous women who access it. Renee sees a future that is brighter than today and stays committed to her work in community. Similar to the plant, paint, and poetry workshop, we're kind of doing something similar where we're offering, you know, healing through yoga, healing through crystals, healing through healthy relationships, healing through spirituality. And through those workshops, the women are building relationships with each other. And then we can have a bigger conversation about gender-based violence. The relationship building is the really the like key piece in this because not everybody feels comfortable coming into a space where they may not know everybody or even if they know everybody, they may not feel comfortable to share their stories and experiences. So building relationships and that um, not just with each other, but even with me as the organizer or the facilitator is really key in all of that. And we do things that can always tie back to our roots and our culture. So, for example, with the plant workshop that I spoke about earlier, through that workshop, we were able to kind of talk about how these plants relate back to us as humans and how we're resilient and how in order for us to grow, we need to be watered. People, you know, we have to pour into ourselves just as much as other, well, more than other people pour into us, but the importance of pouring into ourselves, nurturing and taking care of ourselves, and then how that relates back to our ancestors, for example, and 
We talked about resiliency, growth, um, self-empowerment. We talked about um, healing. We talked about taking care of ourselves, which is something that specifically black women, you know, oftentimes we put others first. Sometimes we even kind of, you know, that narrative about the strong black woman, sometimes we are just so used to doing for everybody else and not taking care of ourselves. For Tanya, the comfort that comes with accessing services from someone who shares your perspective and lived experiences will play essential in the healing that is ahead. You feel more comfortable within your own community. And I think that's where the Communities of Care mission came from, was dealing with our own people in our own community and having our own supports because we know that that is more successful when dealing with uh, supporting people who are Indigenous. It's It's been proven, you know, that it's better care and it's a better service to be able to go to your own community and get those types of supports. Definitely heard from Black women that they want to see more of these spaces. So going forward, I would say that we have more of these spaces, that we create more safer spaces where Black women can come together to do various things. And I see that happening within ABSW, but I also see that in the wider community as well. Um, There's many different initiatives going on um, that are specifically geared towards Black women or Black people, whether it's through fitness, whether it's through tourism, whether it's through beauty like there's so many opportunities for us to gather and feel empowered and build relationships with each other. Anne also believes that relationships and the sharing of experiences is where holistic care starts and that making more spaces for women to collect is of the utmost importance. I think there's also something really comforting about being in a space that's dominated by women um there aren't many spaces like that that exist in our society and this project in particular is one of those rare spaces where i think especially when you have women who have the same lived experiences as you or who come from the same community as you you feel a certain comfort that you don't get when you're in um, a courtroom or at a doctor's office um there's a warmth there that can lead towards healing. Renee knows that she has a lot of work ahead of her and that there's still so much to be done. That said, she's confident in the results she's seen so far and has witnessed a shifting in culture that she finds encouraging. I definitely believe that projects like the Creating Communities of Care Project and other culturally specific and relevant programs, I definitely have a lot of hope when it comes to these programs because I do believe that for so many years we have isolated ourselves or, you know, stayed silent about these important issues. So being able to have more opportunities to engage with others who may have experienced something similar creates healing. So having more programs like creating communities of care, having more spaces um, definitely gives me a lot of hope for the future. 
even looking at my generation, like I feel as though there's so many spaces now for women to feel comfortable with sharing their stories, especially even on social media. We see, you know, other people talking about their experiences and then somebody may read somebody's post and say, oh, my gosh, like I am going through that right now or I have gone through that. And then they may feel like they can reach out to this person and get some support or just have someone to talk to or listen to. Culturally specific programming is one of the best tools available to organizations that look to fight the systemic racism and inequity in our inherited systems. It offers warmth, understanding, and guidance as opposed to control, oppression, and punishment. That's all for this episode of Creating Communities of Care. In our next and final episode, we'll take a top-down look at the impact and lessons from the delivery of the Creating Communities of Care project, as well as what's next for the women we've heard from in this series. If you've heard your own story throughout this podcast and are interested in learning more about the Mi'kmaq Legal Support Network, the Association of Black Social Workers, or another partner organization, check out the show notes for links and resources. If you're facing gender-based violence in your own life, Know that it isn't your fault, and there are those who will help you. I'm Cheyenne Labrador. Walalan. We'll